Hello, and welcome to Skepticast, the show that makes you cocktail party smart in 15 minutes-ish. This week, we're talking about the app TikTok. We'll introduce it and why it's become politically contentious, and then Mimi and I will share some of our opinions based on my time living in China and her experience as a Chinese-American with family in China. So recently, Trump broke the internet when he proposed a, quote, ban on transactions with TikTok for U.S. firms. It quickly got caught in a web of teen influencers, artificial intelligence, data privacy, and geopolitics. Spicy. So first, what is TikTok? If you've been living under a rock, and honestly, that's just like self-care at this point, uh, it's an app that allows anyone to create 15 to 60 second videos. It has 800 million monthly active users, and it was the most downloaded app in the US in 2018 and 2019. TikTok's parent company is ByteDance, which is a Chinese tech firm valued at over $100 billion. It also has other popular apps, including Toutiao, which is a news aggregation app. ByteDance launched uh, Douyin, a precursor to TikTok, in China in 2016. From the very beginning, ByteDance's CEO was always very clear that he wanted to create the world's first truly global app. American tech firms have long been blocked in China by, quote, the Great Firewall, and past attempts by Chinese companies to enter the U.S. market, they failed because of regulation and because of poor localization strategies. So the CEO here, when he says global, honestly, he really just means something that actually works in the U.S. and China for the first time. In 2018, ByteDance acquired Musical.ly, a U.S.-based app to make lip-sync videos, for a billion dollars. Then they added a lot of new features, they rebranded it as TikTok, and that thing spread faster than Corona. Okay, um, that was a little too soon, I'm sorry. Uh, the point is it got really popular, and it created an entire ecosystem of influencers. Total aside here, these influencers are mostly tweens, and they rent this big mansion together just to make TikToks. Like there's the Hype House, there's the Sway House, and it's like a whole we work meets Big Brother situation. They've been insanely successful. I'm totally obsessed with them. The most popular person on TikTok has 78 million followers, and her name is Charlie DeMelio. She's 16 years old, and Forbes reported last year that she earned $4 million from sponsorships. I swear to God, this is why people voted for Bernie. So TikTok stands out because it's engineered for virality. First, TikTok's video recommendation algorithm is one of the best, and unlike traditional social media, it isn't built on a quote social graph, so it doesn't need you to follow or like any content. It's based on quote an interest graph. So basically, it autoplays a bunch of random videos, it tracks which ones you actually watch to the end, and then it starts customizing your feed before you've really done anything. The videos are all super short, so if you get one you don't like, you just flip to the next video. You're actually training the data algorithm, and you don't even realize it. All of these factors have made it incredibly attractive to advertisers. TikTok has this really cool creator marketplace where advertisers can connect with TikTok stars and make sponsored content. It's brilliant because it gives advertisers a way more organic way to connect with their viewers. They're using these stars that people already know and love. But it also makes the creators stay very happy, paid, and more importantly, makes them stick with TikTok. So why does Trump want to ban it? First, there's the data collection. So if you read TikTok's privacy policy, it's pretty similar to like all the other big tech companies. You agree to give them things like geolocation data, your browsing history, your firstborn child, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, but a few times TikTok, they still kind of they kind of went for extra credit. So for a while, TikTok was actually able to access any text that you have copied. So if you're copy and pasting something from one app to another, it's on your quote clipboard. TikTok could access that text. They 
they said this was an anti-spam measure, but they did remove the feature after a bunch of people complained. I feel like that one was a little bit unfair because it turned out other apps like Starbucks and AccuWeather also did that. Yeah, but with TikTok, it's actually part of a wider pattern. So back when it was still musically, they were fined by the FTC for collecting information on children under the age of 13, which is too creepy for me to even try to make a joke about. Uh, the Wall Street Journal also reported that until last year, TikTok was tracking user data on Androids using a tactic that was banned by Google. So it was hiding it under layers of encryption so they could actually identify your specific device. So even if you deleted your whole browsing history, they would still be able to maintain a profile on your behavior now why is that a security risk i mean look no one cares that my boyfriend spent an hour watching fitness models twerking i mean i care but that's a private matter so if the right person uses it though their data could be a national security risk that's why a lot of government officials are banned from using a lot of apps just as one example the fitness app strava it was banned because the geolocation data revealed a bunch of secret u.s military bases like these jogging routes they actually showed the exact perimeter of a military base but honestly if cia agents are making tiktok china deserves to win i don't know what china would be winning but i know that they would have earned it so more important than the data being collected though is who is seeing this information so TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, and TikTok says all of its data is stored in the U.S., but there are concerns the Chinese government could force TikTok to hand it all over. There's also free speech and censorship concerns. So TikTok was criticized for not showing information about pro-Hong Kong democracy protests and also for blocking the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd hashtags a few months ago. And they said, oh, that was a technical glitch, but it made a lot of people very suspicious. And The Guardian reviewed an internal content moderation document. And that document advised you block mentions of Tibet, Tiananmen Square, and a bunch of other politically sensitive topics. So TikTok's response was that was like an outdated document. And I did, I searched those terms on TikTok and I did still find a lot of videos that are still up, you know, talking all about Tiananmen and stuff. ByteDance has repeatedly, you know, said that their content moderation policies in the US are handled by an American team and they're not influenced by the Chinese government. But given the national security risks here, the US government isn't just taking their word for it. So what has Trump actually, quote, banned and is he even allowed to do that? The U.S. government reviews the national security implications of foreign investments in the U.S. through something called CFIUS. That sounds like an STD that you treat with penicillin. CFIUS is the Committee for Foreign Investment in the United States. It's a collaboration across the Departments of Treasury, Defense, State, Commerce, and Homeland Security. Recently, there have been about 150 or more CFIUS investigations a year, but the committee does not really release their findings that often. Last year, for example, CFIUS forced Beijing Quinlan Tech Company to sell the gay dating app Grinder because there are a bunch of concerns about its database of user locations, messages, and even HIV status. Uh, with TikTok, so technically nothing has been banned yet. Trump said American transactions with TikTok will be banned after 45 days. And because he's Donald Trump, he did not define transaction. So we don't know if simply watching a video or if Apple keeping the app in the app store, if those count as transactions or if there's some kind of payment involved. Um, we do know that Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross apparently is going to define what a transaction is after the 45 days are up. So, so the fate of Gen Z's favorite app lies in the hands of an octogenarian millionaire. Gen Z, welcome to the world, baby. I'm sorry your youth could not last just a little bit longer. 
several American companies are looking at acquiring TikTok to save it from oblivion, including Microsoft and Twitter. But what's gotten a lot less attention is that same order also applied to WeChat. So WeChat, it has over a billion users, and it's commonly what people will call a super app. It's mostly a messaging and social media app that was started by Tencent, but it, you, today you can also use it. You can call a cab. Uh, it's used to pay for things and arrest human rights activists. There's really nothing it can't do. And uh, also, like important for the U.S. side, though, millions of Chinese Americans use it to communicate with their friends and family. And also, like any American who's ever done business in China or has Chinese clients or partners, they need WeChat. So in a lot of ways, the WeChat ban is maybe even more consequential. So... That was kind of a quick background on where we are. And Mimi, I'm curious. So, you know, you're Chinese and you, uh, you know, Chinese American and you have friends and family in China. And I'm just curious, you know, what is what is kind of your your thoughts on this and your friends thinking about this? I mean, I think there's a lot of differing opinions. You know, first of all, there are a billion and a half people in China. I would like you to speak for all 1.5 billion of them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard, you know, to say if there's one thing that everyone thinks, but um, for sure they're more concerned about WeChat than TikTok. Like you said, WeChat's kind of like the lifeblood of communication between China and Chinese Americans. Um, and so not being able to contact your friends and family as easily, not being able to sort of just pick up the phone, we'd basically have to go back to the pre-WeChat days, which were like Skype or using like an actual phone and paying like 10 cents an hour or whatever, minute or whatever to call your friends. Well, it's funny because in some ways the pre-WeChat days were actually like when China hadn't banned basically every Western app yet. I mean, Facebook was was allowed in China until I think it was like 2008 or maybe it was later. I, I have the date wrong, but it was something like that. Like the reason WeChat's the only lifeline between China and the West is because of the Chinese government. Yes, very fair point. And I think that speaks to the whole sort of tit for tat thing that's going on. And I think that's that's part of, you know, people understand that, but it's also unfortunate that everyday citizens are sort of caught in the middle. Yeah. Uh, on the everyday citizens thing, I thought it was interesting because with the whole TikTok ban and all the data uh, concerns, there was a survey of, of TikTok users in the U.S. and 83% said they just did not care enough about the Chinese government having their information to delete the app. It's kind of surprising, but at the same time, you think about who's using TikTok. I mean, it's basically like millennials and Gen Z. They probably don't think the Chinese government cares about their video of them twerking with their dog or whatever. It raises an interesting question. is How realistic is it that someone's actually passing this information from ByteDance over to the Chinese government? I mean, I honestly don't know. Um, it, it makes sense that China would be getting some sort of like metadata because also, I mean, even when you take like the Chinese government out of this, a parent company is going to look at the data of its subsidiary. I mean, that's just like what how like business goes. And so ByteDance is in China and they're not going to be like, oh, don't show us any of the data on our U.S. operations where our app is enormously popular. They're obviously going to look at that. And so even if it's stored uh, outside of China, the argument is then it's not subject to uh like the legal it's not part of like the chinese legal jurisdiction but if you see what the chinese government is doing in hong kong and how like they uh are charging activists that are not even hong kong citizens or chinese citizens in some ways like china is not particularly concerned with you know jurisdiction and uh you know legal boundaries 
I mean, so I think that that makes sense. I also think that we could be getting a little bit paranoid. It's like the whole social credit score thing. Like, I there have been so many articles about like how every Chinese person just walks around with a number like at the top of their phone and it's their social credit score. And like, that's just factually not accurate. Like, it's literally just not true. Um, China law. Yeah, I think I've seen like videos where or like pictures. It's almost like there's a bubble floating over someone's head and it just has your score at all times. It's like a halo floating around on top of you. Yeah, exactly. It was like whoever at like New York Times video or whatever, they watched one too many Black Mirror episodes and decided they wanted to play along at home and then just started releasing. Like, look, the Chinese surveillance state is crazy. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, China's fine. But the whole social credit score thing is a really good example of how basically had kind of things like that have been floated around. And then that came out at around the same time that Tencent and Alibaba's financial products released basically like a credit score. And, and then it just got really conflated and confusing. And so like, I've asked my Chinese friends, I was like, you know, do you know what your social credit score is? And they literally have no idea. They're like, what is this? Like I have, you know, the Sesame credit score, which is Alibaba's financial product or like a WeChat thing. And they're like, but that's just like, you know, did it like pay my bills on time and stuff. So I'm not going to go like as crazy as you are. Like I know Mimi, I know you use DuckDuckGo and that's just a lever that I'm never going to pull. Like I'm fine with Google. Um, Listen, DuckDuckGo is a very good search engine. Okay. It's so good that I never have to switch over to Google because I can't find the results I want. No, I'm, I'm definitely more paranoid than most about privacy. Um, I'm someone that clears my like advertising history, which if you don't know, you can go into your phone and in settings, if you have an iPhone or an Android, you can clear your advertising ID. But I'm someone who's like very, very cautious about it. But I, I like you, kind of am stuck in between, you know, being cognizant of the fact that for sure there is a surveillance state in China and they absolutely could be using this information at the same time, I think a lot of how it's talked about is a little bit of like kind of a xenophobic thing where it's like, oh my God, anything that has to do with China, you know, especially the timing of this whole thing, it's it seems very political, but nothing specifically happened with TikTok in the past few months other than the fact that, you know, Trump is not doing well in the polls. Yeah, I think a lot of it has, I mean, 2020 is coming and I think if he, I think he thinks that if he takes a hard line against China, that could maybe help him. I mean, you kind of see it reflect around the world. Like, it was also banned in India after China and India had some uh, border issues. Um, and so it's like, it's kind of representative of just broader geopolitical conflict. And it's like, okay, le let's use these companies as a form of leverage. But it's really sad because at the end of the day, like TikTok is actually a very joyous product in my mind. Like people go on it to watch the content that makes them happy. The same thing with WeChat. It's like people are using that to to create genuine connection with their family and friends. And you're kind of holding all of that hostage. Yeah. I mean, to go back to like the the tried and true elementary school arguing strategy, though, it is like like when I see this and I look at China, I'm sort of like, I mean, you started it. Like the Chinese foreign minister was like, you know, the India and, and the U.S., you know, they're uh, using fake national security grounds to target private companies. And I was like, bro, really? <laughs> like, like, like one time somebody used the word Tibet on Facebook and then you banned the whole company. And then Zuckerberg went to China and asked Xi Jinping to give his child a Chinese name. Almost to his credit, Xi Jinping was like, no. But it, oh, Zuckerberg's whole speech in Mandarin. I mean, it was like, Jesus. 
and all of after all of that after like how much he when the chinese internet minister who later went to jail um visited facebook mark zuckerberg just happened to have a copy of the official xi jinping thought book lying out on his desk Oh I mean, God. you want to talk about like Chinese people succumbing to censors, bro, look at Silicon Valley. And that to me is in some ways that scares me a little bit more than the data stuff with TikTok. What scares me almost a little bit more and like some kind of broader like societal implications is if TikTok gets super big, they could start to use that power to get people to self-censor. So like when TikTok was like, you know, we didn't block protest content because the Communist Party told us to, they might be telling the truth, but they did potentially still block it. I mean, like a lot of hashtags weren't searchable and they may have done that without anybody having to ask them to. It's like a lot of Hollywood scripts. They'll actually edit out LGBT characters in any big budget movie because um, China censors ban LGBT content. And that's just like one example. And like they didn't submit the script for approval to the CCP, but they basically knew it was not going to get released there. And so if TikTok is owned by this Chinese parent company, like they might not be telling people to censor their stuff but by Dan or uh, tiktok kind of is censoring it already and like that is kind of scary like the nba they're censoring players tweets and all that shit like that is is like that's some you know 1984 stuff in terms of tiktok there's you know there's a bunch of companies that are trying to save it if Microsoft's strategy is basically to like give them money and then never give them any instructions on how to do anything then it could be successful but like tiktok is a bunch of like gen z kids doing trendy dances and microsoft is like your dad in 10 year old reeboks dancing to the soundtrack of like pulp fiction or something to put it generously and I feel like if they actually tried to do anything together, I mean, it would just, I mean, it would just turn it into something like super embarrassing and then something else would come and replace it. I think that's a big problem. I think another big problem is like, I'm unclear what any of these companies would even be buying. Like so much of the algorithm and the recommendation engine that TikTok uses is belongs to ByteDance and they use it for Toteau, they use it for their other apps. So it's not like I assume they're not gonna just give it over to an American company. And so if you're not, if you don't have that, which is very core to the product, then what exactly are you purchasing is, is what I'm super unclear about. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's pretty unclear to actually everybody in those conversations what the potential deal could be. But yeah, I mean, TikTok could very quickly go from like a hyper addicting app with like, you know, Gen Z and millennials sharing cool tips to like a bunch of slow moving videos of baby boomers trying to figure out how to turn the volume down. Yeah, I mean, it could be like Google Plus. Remember that? Me either. This was a special episode of Skepticast. And as always, if you enjoyed us, then please uh, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. And if you did not like it, this has been the Michelle Obama Podcast. Thank you.